Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Friday edition. We're on live right now, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and our new, new platform, Roku TV, where we're bringing you all the updates, sports news, and we look forward to the weekend. Um, today on the show, folks, we have Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. We have our Keith Angle from TGI Sports Talk, and also have on... The Philly Sports Guy. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Hall of Fame legendary boxing writer himself and sports guru, Jack Hirsch. How you doing this morning, Jack? Hey, good morning, Mac. Uh, two shows yesterday, one today. I mean, we're working. We're busy, Mac. Yes, we are. And, of course, you know, we're making the big money, Jack. So, you know, our contracts with Northeast Streaming Sports, we're going to have to renegotiate. Uh, if we're going to do this many contract shows. is a contract, Mac. That's what you always tell me. That's true, but uh, I, I think we got to go in there and do something, Jack. It's getting it's getting uh, uh, very busy here, and you know, you know, ESPN cut back some announcers and they put them harder to work. But I imagine their agents did a little bit of renegotiating all the times they're on. So let's get let's get to the two biggest sports stories uh, in sports today. You know, not counting the NFL's playoffs and all that stuff, just kind of side stories. It seems that. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finally released, officially released, um, Antonio Brown. He fired out some Texas, um, kind of attacking the head coach, Bruce Arians. Tampa Bay, uh, uh, Tom Brady and his trainer. Let me get the name right here. Uh, it's Guerrero, um, Alex Guerrero. And he claims that uh, Guerrero was given $100,000 for training, which he never followed up on. He never worked with him. And meanwhile, he's texting, you know, about Ben Rosenberger, and he's texting about other players and other teams very nicely. So I don't know if he's trying to appease these other teams, trying to get in with them. But I'm telling you, Jack, if I was a team, and whether Arians was right or wrong to put him in, I sure wouldn't want any of that in my clubhouse. Thank you, Matt. Antonio Brown has no credibility. I mean, this is a guy who was suspended three games for lying as far as saying he was vaccinated, producing a fake ID card. You know, he's had all these past issues. I mean, not just on the field, off the field. People forget Bruce Arians has a history with Antonio Brown at Pittsburgh. Bruce Arians was an assistant coach there for a few years when Antonio Brown was on the team. He didn't even want Antonio Brown on the Buccaneers in the beginning because he was a diva. He was an eye guy. He didn't feel he was good for the team. But because of the power that Tom Brady wielded, uh, Bruce Arians gave in. And Antonio Brown, to his credit, during the Super Bowl run last year, was a model citizen. And Bruce Arians gave him his due. He complimented him. 
Uh, and even though last year he, uh, Antonio Brown came on on a no tolerance policy, he, you know, fit the bill. He was a great citizen. So this year was a new year. So that no tolerance was over with because that, that it's a year to year thing in reality. And what, what Antonio Brown did, taking a shirt off, making a big fuss, it's just trouble for any team. Antonio Brown has, you know, we feel he has issues. What type of issues? We're not sure uh, exactly what it is. But sometimes we feel it's a mental health issue, and it might not even be a mental health issue. It might be a behavior issue. Sometimes when we think it's a behavior issue, it's a mental health issue, okay? Some people say they go hand in hand. But in any event, you can't have Antonio Brown on your team anymore going forward because you're really asking for trouble. But this is the NFL. If one team feels he could push them over the top, you know, get them to the Super Bowl, he's in play. But if, I think now with Antonio Brown, Mac, this is a question of damage control. After he acted up, he sees how much this is damaging to his NFL career and that no team might take him again. So he's trying to battle back and create a scenario maybe to get back in the NFL. And maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But look at the problems Tampa Bay now has with him having to answer all these questions. I mean, does another team really want to go through this? But let me just wrap it up. Was it worth it for Tampa Bay in the long run? It actually was. They did win a Super Bowl. He caught a touchdown pass. So on the field, he did get the job done for them. But now the repercussions of everything else are coming into play. I mean, you know, I agree with almost everything you said. And, you know, Antonio Brown, I was reading, took a big hit. I mean, if he had so many more yards, which was in reach, he would have got a $330,000 bonus. If he caught one more TD, we got a $333,000. So he shot himself in the foot again, like he did with the Raiders with that big contract he got, and he just decided to pull out on him. That's right, Mac. Let me just cut in one second. The Raiders offered him a big contract. He was getting a lot less to play with Brady in New England and then Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. So from a business aspect, it was a terrible blunder him leaving the Raiders because John Gruden was all in with Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. He was getting big money. He could have still been on the Raiders. He wouldn't have gotten the Super Bowl win there, but Antonio Brown would have, uh, you know, been the lead receiver. Then he had a Super Bowl to his credit in the past, you know, with the Steelers. Sure. Sure. And, and who knows if he was there with the Raiders and he stayed there this year, maybe they wouldn't have to win one game to get in. Maybe they would have won a couple of games. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's just to me, this guy, um, you know, he's been, he's been, it's been alleged and he's been in charge of salts and uh, as, you know, out of the game and the, the whole ID thing. And, you know, his agent kind of jumped out back on the, the bucks and for damage control of what happened, which I still don't agree with if true. And uh, if, uh, you know, it is what it is, Jack. I mean, you got guys like this. And speaking of people that may have said something that might end up getting them kicked out of their job, a 20-year Washington Wizards broadcaster, Glenn Connor, uh, came under fire after a comment on a design play to Kevin Porter Jr., who made the bucket. And uh, Connor said, like his dad, Kevin Porter pulled the trigger at the right time. Now, his Kevin Porter's dad 
went to jail for shooting a young teenage girl. And he went there, I think it was in 1993. Yes, it was. Then he was shot and killed years later trying to help a woman who was attacked at a bar. So with that comment and what would happen with his dad, it seemed like the comment might have been a little, you know, a little out of line. But LeBron James jumps all over this. He's calling for him, you know, not to be in the basketball anymore. You know, he thinks, you know, what do you think? This is a cool pun. You know, uh, you know, there, like I said, there's no place for him uh, in this game. And turns out, now this is Connor's reply to that. Connor said he thought Porter was the son of Kevin Porter, former Washington Bullets player who had a career there. You know, four years anyway, with Washington. Now, I don't know what to believe here, Jack, because if you've been a Wizards uh, commentator for that long, you might know the history of the players. You might not, but you might because that's part of your job. You're, you're, you're fully vested in this team. So I'm not sure if I believe them or not. It sounds plausible. It sounds possible. I just don't know. The interesting thing to me is we know Michael Jordan owns the Wizards. And Michael Jordan doesn't follow what people say. No, Michael Jordan owns the Wizards. He played for the Wizards when he sorry. came out of my, the My bad. My bad. You are correct. He played for the Wizards. The interesting thing to me, as I misspoke, is what the what the Wizards owner will do. We should fire you, Mac, maybe. I'm calling <laughs> for you to get fired. But but the, the, the point of the matter is, Jack, I mean, who do you believe? Do you believe that this Connor guy uh, didn't know that his father went to jail for shooting somebody? Or do you believe that he did and said it anyway? Let me tell you something. You take a broadcaster. He's been with the team for over 20 years. Has he ever made a controversial remark in all that time? Why in his right mind would he deliberately say something that mean. It's obvious he wouldn't do that thing. He should have pulled the trigger like his father. He should have murdered someone like his, you know, he should have shot someone like someone else's father. You know, he he's not going to say that deliberately. It's an innocent mistake. Kevin Porter, the name, his the same name played for the Wizards before that. So it's an easy mistake. Look, I was watching uh, Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, on Sunday Night Baseball, no, I, I, I take that back. I'm sorry. WFAN it was. One of the late night broadcasters, not Tony Page, by the way, not Tony, was talking about the Boston Red Sox manager, Joe Morgan. And he was comparing the time when Joe Morgan played for the Cincinnati Reds in the World Series, and now he's with the Boston Red Sox or something to that effect. But it wasn't the same Joe Morgan. It was a different Joe Morgan, but he assumed the name Joe Morgan in a high-profile position. And it, it was an innocent mistake by the broadcaster. He said it. Why on earth would he say anything so mean-spirited. It's an obvious Kevin Porter played for the Washington Wizards in the past, and now you have Kevin Porter there again. And so many times we have sons and fathers like Tim Hardaway and guys like that where father, son, 
And in an innocent mistake, listen, this isn't the first time LeBron has spoken too quickly. Uh, there's been other things where really he should have gotten called out on by the league, but because he's LeBron James, he can get away with it. This is not to say LeBron's heart isn't in the right place. But once again, LeBron spoke out too soon, and he and he's basically slandering a broadcaster who apologized when he realized his mistake. The yeah. broadcaster wants to reach out to Kevin Porter, and it's obvious it was an innocent mistake made. And the broadcaster went on an assumption, an assumption that a lot of other people would have gone on and probably was thinking there's a link that this Kevin Porter is, you know, the son of the other Kevin Porter. You know, it, it's an, it's a mistake. Well, I, mean, I mean, Jack, I, I, I pretty much agree with what you say, but don't you think if you are the lead broadcaster for a basketball team, baseball team, whatever, don't you think it's your job to know uh, that Kevin Porter Jr. is not the son of Kevin Porter the former Washington Bullet. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you think that that is your that's your job? Yes. So, so I understand that could be an error, but maybe it's not. See, I don't know. You say you say no. It's sloppy. It's sloppy work, Mac. You're right. It's his job to know that he should be talking with the players, asking. He should have seen this Kevin Porter and saying, oh, what have you learned from your dad, this and that? And then it would come out in conversation, no, my dad's not that Kevin Porter. Right. And then the whole error would have been avoided. He assumed it was the same Kevin Porter. Analysts like that should be talking to the players a lot, doing think. their homework. So if anything, he's guilty of not really being as meticulous as he should have been doing his job. But what he did, you know, it wasn't mean-spirited, okay? It was just an unfortunate mistake. He's owing up to it. He feels terrible about it. He says he's going to be talking to Kevin Porter about it, yeah. you know, what was said. And, you know, you take a person's intent is, is what you should always take. And the intent definitely wasn't to say anything negative that could possibly be hurtful to the player. Well, at least, at least I hope that's the case and that he didn't just take the, you know, the pun of shooting uh, and he knew that. I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I would agree with you. I agree that I don't think anybody in their right mind would would do that, especially with the way, you know, society is now about speaking uh, politically correct. That would be way down on the, or way up on the, on the chain of something you shouldn't say. But again, Jack, the only thing I'm saying is that, and, and, and you said he's maybe not doing his job. That's your job. You've got to know the history. you you're, you got access to the locker room. you got access to the coaches. you got access to the players. And Kevin Porter is an exciting player. And I Mac, think that I'm going to give you an example. Let's right. talk about football. Let's say during the height of the uh, protests with George Floyd, let's say there's an NFL game and we're broadcasting a game and a team should be running out the clock. They hand the ball off and I'm critical. And I'm saying, for example, why are they taking that chance? They should just take a knee. You always take a knee in that situation. You know, people might come back and say, how insensitive can you be? But that's a football term. 
that's yeah. used all the time. You take a knee, you run the clock out. That's the intent. But someone might say, well, during this sensitive time, you should know a lot better, fire him. Yeah. Okay, I mean. It's possible. it's possible, Jack. You're possibly right. So let's hit the NHL scores real quick before Byron Williams, who's due to come in about 8.30. We'll start talking about NFL playoffs and all kinds of good stuff with him because there's still some things that are up in the air. But in the NHL, Calgary beats Tampa Bay 4-1. to one. Pitt, uh, the Penguins are hot as heck, Jack, right now. They beat the Flyers. I think it's their 10th straight game. It's something like that. 6-2. to two. The Sharks beat the Sabres 3-2. to two. The Wild beats the Bruins 3-2. to two. The Devils beat the Blue Jackets 3-1. to one. The Stars beat the Panthers 6-5. to five. Avalanche over the Jets 7-1. to one. The Coyotes beat Chicago 6-4. to four. The Knights put it on the Rangers 6-1. to one. And the Predators beat the Kings 4-2. to two. Let me just say something about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, they were, the last I looked, they were on top of the NHL standings by one point. Uh, maybe they lost it last night. I don't. Rangers lost as well, so they, they were point behind. If they win the Cup this year, they 3 P. Yeah. Three championships in a row. So we can then call them, if not now already, the greatest – uh, team and team sports. Really, if they three-peat uh, three in a row, I mean, no other team in any other league, baseball, football, basketball, would be considered as strong of a team as the Tampa Bay Lightnings because they've already won back-to-back cups. And imagine they do it three years in a row. That's the closest thing to a dynasty we've had in sports really in a while. And the thing about Tampa Bay they were rarity the city because their hockey team, the Lightning, is actually more popular than the baseball team, the Rays. The Buccaneers are the most popular team in Tampa Bay. Then it's the Lightning, then it's the Rays. I've been in Tampa Bay. I've witnessed the fever that the Lightning, you know, caused. And Pete, they're very, they're actually very popular in a warm weather city like Tampa Bay. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't the Bulls three P Jack? No. Oh, that was a while ago. I'm saying the first time in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're saying the greatest in history. About I, I, thought said, I thought you said the greatest in history and the only team that's... No, ever. no, no, no. I, that, that would be the New York Yankees. I mean, yeah, yeah if, I, if I had to go there like 14, 10, and 16 years, I could talk about... I could say New England had a dynasty in the sense that they would always be winning the AFC East, always be getting in the playoffs the way they have over a couple of decades. So that kind of is like a dynasty in a way. But when we think of dynasties, Mac, we think of a team that wins it all, okay? They have to win that championship, really, I think, to have the dynasty stamp on them. Or if they go, let's say, to a championship game of five out of six years, they go to the finals and they win it three years out of the six, but they won five out of six. We could start talking like a dynasty during their era if they do that. Look, the Buffalo Bills went four years in a row, but they didn't have a dynasty. They just had a foothold on the AFC. No, I guess you could say they had a, a dynasty in the AFC at that time. But. They had a dynasty within their own patch, within their yeah. own frame yeah. of land. Yes, I would agree with that. So Byron Williams should be coming in here shortly, so he normally pops in early. 
And we can start a little bit without without them because there's a lot of interesting games this week, Jack, that will affect whether you know whether a team gets in and seeding to a point. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking I'm looking right now at the Patriots in Buffalo. That division title is still on the line. If Buffalo, by some chance, which I don't think will happen, loses, and the Patriots beat Miami. The uh, Patriots still could win that division because they they will be eleven and six, and the Bills would be ten and seven. That's the biggest movement that I see in the in the seeding process. I mean, we got a bunch of things that could happen this week, and not a bunch, but quite a few. But the biggest one is Buffalo, and I think Buffalo is playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't expect Buffalo's playing the Jets. The Buffalo's playing the Jets. You are correct. Right. I don't. I don't expect the Jets to win. But if they did, what is it? Maybe I don't know. One hundred to one. If they did, and they've been playing pretty well lately, if they got a couple breaks and beat the Bills, and the Patriots win, Patriots have won the division this year, and that's pretty crazy, Jack. I'm going to tell you the Patriots' schedule is weird with the Dolphins. They played the Dolphins the first game of the year. In New England, and the Dolphins won, and then the Dolphins lost seven games in a row, and then they won seven in a row, and then they lose one game and out of the playoffs. Talk about digging a hole, trying to get out of a hole, and having no room to spare. So they're playing the Patriots their first game of the year, and now they're playing at home in Miami the last game. What's at stake for the Dolphins? Uh, there's something at stake. They're eight and eight. It's a matter of pride wanting to have a winning record. There's a difference between being eight and nine and nine and eight. At least the mindset, you end the year nine and eight, and you could say, you know, we had a winning record. We're a good team. We just had a bad streak in the beginning of the year. But the real us is the team that showed up the second half. Okay? And the Jets, if I'm going to make a case for the Jets, let me say, if they play the way they did against Tampa Bay last week, they have a shot at beating Buffalo, actually, because I could say Tampa Bay is a better team than Buffalo, and if they came that close to beating Tampa Bay. And let's face it, Buffalo, you know, they haven't really asserted themselves as a powerhouse. You know, they lost what I considered, and it didn't turn out to be a must game when they went Buffalo, with, uh, when they played New England at Buffalo with all the windy conditions. They won the rematch. But, you know, they played the Falcons last week. And if Buffalo really has it together as a powerful team, they would have run over the Falcons. But they won by a couple of touchdowns decisively enough. But Buffalo still, you know, is showing some signs. Their passing game hasn't been up to snuff. Their running game has been erratic. What Josh Allen has had to do a little more than he should, especially with his legs. That opens him up to injuries. Let's see which Jet team shows up. If this Jet team is truly improving and truly on an upswing, it's possible they might do what Miami did to New England last year. New England had to beat Miami the last game of the regular season to get a bye. This was two years ago. I'm sorry, right. when Tom Brady was there two years ago. And Miami goes into New England and beats them the last game of the season with nothing at stake for Miami but pride. 
and everything at stake for New England having that buy. So who knows what could happen. But the division is on the line, basically. But Buffalo is going to be in the playoffs, and New England is going to be in the playoffs. It's a question of who wins the division, bragging rights. And believe me, both want that division. And, and, and where they'll play, too, right, Jack? So if New England does win and Buffalo loses, the game will be in New England, whichever game is played. So, I mean, there is that. The, the thing I, I, I don't agree with you is saying that, well, the Jets play good against Tampa Bay, and but Tampa Bay is better than Buffalo. Those are separate games, and I think that when, when you play a certain team, it's all about matchups. Tampa Bay doesn't really see Buffalo. Buffalo, uh, I mean, the Tampa Bay really doesn't see the Jets. Buffalo does. Buffalo knows the Jets. The Jets know Buffalo. And it's all about matchups, team versus team. So when you try to compare one team being a little bit better than the other, it really doesn't It really doesn't work out because we do that a lot. We say, well, you know, you know, the, the Chargers beat Kansas City, you know, that first time. So they're, they're really good. And then we find out that maybe they're not really that good right now because Kansas City is a great team. So it's hard to, 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 to make a comparison when they're playing against other teams. That's all I'm saying. So, listen, if the Jets play well, they get a few turnovers, they have a chance. And Miami sure has a chance against New England. So it's going to be really interesting to see what pans out for the division over there. Well, let, let me ask you this, Matt, uh, Mac. When Robert Salada had head coach, he called out his uh, offensive coordinator, LaFleur, basically, you know, for that last, possession well next to last possession of the game they got the ball back with a few seconds when they had fourth and two on the you know Tampa Bay seven yard line and they went for it rather than go for field goal to go up seven he recognized Tom Brady could bring the Buccaneers back and get a touchdown and at least get a tie maybe go for the two-point conversion which they actually did late on and win the game so he tried to ice the game right there and LaFleur, he said, botched the play up because the, the play was supposed to be a reverse to Berrios, who was having a heck of a game. And that would have caught the Tampa Bay defense probably off guard, you know, be a little bold on that play. But they went for quarterback sneak on fourth and two. To me, that's a horrendous call, fourth and two, a quarterback sneak especially when the defense is playing up front and tight the way Tampa Bay was to prevent the run. Horrendous call. But supposedly that was the second option if they were going to play a little loose. And LaFleur now is owning up to it. But I think after the way Salah attacked them, Salah was totally disgusted. Do you think it's okay for a head coach to call out his offensive coordinator that way, because it is a bit humiliating. I think it is actually okay, because if I feel one of my assistant coaches cost us the game, I, you know, I want him to be accountable like a player, but then at, on the other end, you want the coaches to be united. You don't want that, that division in the coaching staff. What do you think? Well, two quick thoughts before we bring Byron up. One, if I had Josh Allen as a quarterback, I might not have a problem calling a quarterback sneak. It depends on who the quarterback is. But the two things I want to say, one, if they kicked the field goal, they would have tied the game and it might have gone in overtime. And two, the head coach has the last say. And if he doesn't, then the problem isn't what, what the play was called. The problem is that the communication between the head coach and offensive coordinator is not there. And that's the last fault. Let's bring up Byron Williams, our NFL analyst. 
star wide receiver for the New York Giants, played on a few NFL teams, World Football League, CFL. He's been all around football, and that's why we have him in here. Let's bring up Byron. How you doing today, Byron? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Good morning. Good morning. I love them three Super Bowl trophies in the background. Uh, the replicas are not actually the Super Bowl trophies, people, because Byron would be in a lot of trouble if he actually had the Vince Lombardi Award behind him. But it still looks really good. Uh, reminds me of some good days. Anyway, Byron, let's let's start off. Me and Jack started talking about the playoff pitcher, the seedings and games that decided. We got a little bit into it with Buffalo and the Pats. But I want to talk about the two teams that still have to get in the playoffs, period. Right? They, the seventh seed is at hand. You've got a direct one with the Chargers and the Raiders. Whoever wins that game is the seventh seed. Whoever loses that game goes home. What are your thoughts on the Chargers and the Raiders? Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a great game. I, I think um, if Derek Carr can uh, throw over 300 yards, they, he'd been 6-0 and all season when he had a game throwing the ball well and the receivers are, on, you know, on, on the same page with him. Um, they playing at home, so it's going to be a big week. I know they're going to be doing a lot of John Madden activities and celebrations. I think it's somebody that's lighting that torch out there. So the the Raiders and the fans are going to be pumped up, so it's going to be a good game. Also, I, I know if um, the Chargers have a better chance of probably winning the game and probably be um, favorite in that game, but um, it's going to be a good game. It's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a hard fought game because, you know, the winner goes to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how could you ask for anything better for last game if you love football, right? Um, yeah. In the NFC now, in the NFC, you've got the 49ers playing the Rams, a rivalry. I think the Rams, I mean, the 49ers won last game. Right. And they, if they beat the Rams, they're in. So they got the, the control of destiny in their own hands. If they lose, they got to wait on New Orleans and Atlanta to play and hope Atlanta beats New Orleans. Because if New Orleans wins and the 49ers lose, believe it or not, the Saints are the seventh seed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, the 49ers, they, they always match up well against against the, uh, you know, against, against the Rams. And and so um, uh, the 49ers is playing good good football they just you know the quarterback situation maybe have been resolved a little bit and and if that they go in there and play error free and you know i just like the the coach um uh for the 49ers and, and i like uh i like the, i like the i like the chances for the 49ers wait, 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 wait byron you say the quarterback situation has been resolved i don't understand that tell me how it's been resolved I it had been, well it, it's been a conflict all year, but under Trey Lance played the last game, right? Yeah. So, so uh who's gonna play if Garoppolo's able to go Sunday? Who is going to be the quarterback? You have to go with Falapi. You have to go with uh you have to go with the experienced quarterback, I think. Garoppolo, right, right, right. But normally teams when they draft a guy that high and they give up a lot to get him, they look for an excuse to turn the page. And this is a perfect excuse to move forward with Trey Lance if they thought he was good enough. So maybe Trey Lance isn't all they thought he'd be when they drafted him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they, I think he been, he, I think they like him and I think they, they, um, 
they're excited about him, but I don't think he's just quite not quite ready. He's just a first year player. Uh, I just think he needs more reps, more time, more experience. And I think you know there was a good year for him to watch and see and discover the speed of the game in the National Football League. So I think I think in a year or so he'll be ready to go. I just think you know Aaron Rodgers didn't play into his third year. So I just think it's one of those type situations. Yeah, Brett Favre, no one was going to play, you know, what Brett Favre Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. But I just think for a lot of players, they just, for majority of players that come into the National Football League, they're not quite ready, you know, to come in and take, especially a quarterback, you know, to take the game, take the game to another level. Just think, look at Trevor Lawrence. He was a superstar in college, and he's so slow right now <laughs> this year. I mean, just look at him. So I'm I'm just thinking that you know it it take a while and maybe Trey Lance Trey Lance is maybe a year away but you know he came in and played well last week. Yeah, after you found out that Kittle was the best guy to throw to on the field, it, it took him exactly. A and you got to, you got to be able to throw ten balls to him a game. I mean yeah, that's that's the key. Look at Kansas City. While. It took a little. Yeah, while. I don't know where he was the whole year, but it took a little while. You know, you know, Byron, you're you're 100 right. I it depends on the situation, right, for quarterbacks if. If you're playing, if you come in and you like uh, like Mac did playing for uh, the Patriots, they got a solid team and he can be successful there. You know, even 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 with Patrick Mahomes, he went to a team you know that was a competitive team, but by the end of the year they let him play uh, that last game, but they still sat him out. You know, behind behind Smith, which Smith was a very good quarterback playoff team. So, you know, if you're normally if you're a first string quarterback like Wilson, you know Trey Lance. Even even uh, even even the quarterback of Chicago, the rookie quarterback. I got a quick uh, Fields. I think it is uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, but, Thank you. But, but, but let me finish. Let me finish, Jack. But if you go into something like that situation, where it's the the, the team is not all together, and even if Fields has played pretty good, still that team is not together yet. It's so hard for a quarterback. I remember Phil Sims. We interviewed Phil Sims, Byron. And he told me he won the first six games or helped win the first six games, I should say, as a rookie. And then they kind of fell off. And he said, honestly, don't take it the wrong way. I just wanted the season to be over. You know, you want to win. But that first year was so tough. And he played as a rookie. He said, I just wanted the season to be over and, and let me regroup. Yeah, and and, and I think that, that that depends on your linemen and, and your running backs and the types of type of receivers that you have as well. But yeah, especially um, and plus being a first year player, the season seemed long. I mean, it's it's a it's a long grind. I mean, you you got a long a lot more you know weeks to, to continue to practice and play, and so these guys got to get adjusted to all that. And I and I keep saying the speed of the game, and they have to adopt to that. And and then they see so many different schemes for us rushing. The, you know, the defense is coming in and and uh, they creating these sacks and things, pocket presence and things like that. So. It's really a, 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 a hard fit to just come in and be real successful as a first-year uh, player in the National Football League on all levels in any position, but extremely hard for the quarterbacks. Just a quick thought for the lesser players like the special team players predominantly, the backups. Are they allowed – does the NFL allow them to play in the new league, the USFL? The USFL has a 10-game schedule. They're in the spring. It could actually help their game, but I guess they're contractually they're not allowed. I guess they're not they they're not going to be allowed. They they tried that with the um, World League NFL Europe, and they they did that with some of the players, 
and which was good for a lot of the players because they got a chance to play more and get the experience on a, on a different level. But um, I, the USFL is going to be completely different, I think, and it's it's going to be, um, but it's going to be good for the for the for the football players. We have so many football players that are trying to play. I mean, I got calls this week about a couple of players asked to me about playing. I say, you know, it, it's, it, you got to have an agent. You know, certain things need to be in place for you in order to get to get into that on the football field. And I had another guy was 28 years old and trying to go to the NFL. And I said, it ain't going to happen. You know, <laughs> realistically, you know, um, maybe Canada, uh, this USFL league, um, just, you know, but these guys still hold on to their dreams. And, sure. and, and unfortunately, a lot of guys, when you get 28 years old, you, you need to start yeah. trying to use your degree. Let me just cut in. This is interesting, Mac, too. Baseball, I know years ago, had open tryouts. Does the NFL ever allow that? Just have a tryout. They like they in college, like walk-ons. Just come, get on the field, and you know, once in a while, you could catch lightning in the bottle and get this guy who's, you know, can really. The games have changed so much with with the social media, uh, the scouting department, um, all the information they have. They have all this. They have a list of players, you know, that's on the board that they interested in that fit what they're looking for. And then this past year with the COVID, you know, they had a lot of players in, in Indianapolis, uh, pool of players that you make sure that they was uh, tested and uh, and uh, in shape. And they had a pool of players that the NFL teams could draw from because of the limitation of players coming in. You just can't bring players into the locker room, into the facility like they used to because of COVID. So there's so many different things that they did this year. That a lot of people don't understand, but they 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 got a list of players that they definitely uh, want to pull from. And another thing that they do, they pull from players that's on the practice roster. You know that the Giants did it um, with uh, with From the quarterback from Georgia. So I mean, it's it's different case scenarios on well, how they bring players in and well, who Byron, they for. Byron, they do have tryouts in the beginning of the year. I mean, for who? For they, who? Well, Cruz got a tryout. Rocky Thompson going to try out for not, 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 not this day and time. I'm saying, no, no, I don't I'm, saying I, I'm saying that they do, from what I understand, there is still tryouts, but not with COVID anymore. I understand. Yeah, they, they, they still have tryouts, but they don't they don't have it like they used to. Open, they, I agree. You know, uh, they uh Cruz got a Cruz got a tryout because of the, the pro day. I mean, he was he he did he had a good pro day too, and they like that, that he his his stock went up as a pro day, kind of got on the list. And then they, you know, they was they, they draft, they signed him uh, based off of because uh, some schools still go to the colleges and do pro days. Right, right. I, I agree with that. I'm just saying that there is maybe not the way it was. I remember Washington Redskins used to open up to the public and and whoever came in, you know, back way back when George Allen was a coach. That's how they got Rocky Thompson in there. Um, so it did. It, there was actually opening the public come on in and try out. I don't think it's set up the same way. Uh, as it was back then, no doubt, no doubt. Point, Mac Rocky Thompson, he was lightning quick. Yeah, yeah, he was. Talk about talk about old school. I mean, ah, never mind. Anyways, so let's 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 take a look at the seedings right now, and they could change, Byron. Right? Yeah. Uh, any any and uh, the AFC. Let me see if I if I got this right. Yes, the Titans. Titans are number one seed. They mm-hmm. play the Texans, who have been playing really good ball lately. In fact, they beat the Tennessee Titans, but. Derrick Henry is back. They should win that game, right, Byron? They should stay at number one. 
They should, yeah. They, I, I'm leaving them. They going down at a, yeah. They definitely get triple in that game. I think it's, they should not have no problem with the Texans. But yeah, yeah. but the last week, you know, you're gonna have some players still fighting for a job for next. Listen, year. I agree. I agree, man. I agree. Listen, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't take the Texans lightly at all if I was going down there. The Chiefs play Denver. They're the number two seat. They should beat Denver again, and and that should be one and two. Should be locked up. Right. But then the question becomes Cincinnati, Cleveland, Cincinnati sitting in the third seat, Cleveland, even without Baker Mayfield, the backup quarterback there, I got a brain freeze. But anyway, Case Keenum. Thank you, Jack. Uh, um, he is his record is just as good as uh, uh, Mayfield's when he plays. And Cleveland, for some reason, is a bad matchup for Cincinnati. For some reason, they always get Cincinnati with that running game and defense. What do you think? Do you think the the Browns will be in uh, what 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 I want? How do I want to say this? Enthusiastic because they weren't last week. Do you think that they'll be pumped up to beat Cincinnati and knock them out of the third seed? I think they I think they they should. They, I think I would look forward to Cleveland winning, trying to win that game. Um, but I, I I just think that um, just looking at Cleveland, they've just been up and down all year. You know, just with they got a lot of great players. Um, Nick Chubb and those guys, um, just some great talent, you know, Miles Garrett. So I, I just think um, Cleveland going to definitely try to win because it's always a ballot in the Ohio State with those two teams. You're going to like this. They're a great rookie. The Bengals' great rookie, Jamar Chase, is something like about 56 yards, approximately away from a rookie record for a receiver that was set in 1960. And the Bengals are going to want him to break the record. But Joe Burrow isn't going to be playing that game. That That's going to be a tough 56 yards to gain. I guess they're going to try to spring him on one long pass to basically do it. And they're trying to rest him for the playoffs. What a balance, trying to get him the record. And that could, you know, the coaching staff can't be too happy about that scenario. Because 56 yards might not sound like a lot, but when you have a backup and you don't have Joe Burrow and you have someone throwing to him you're not used to, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, I agree with you, um, no no doubt. And um, with 56 yards against in Cleveland, they're going to be challenged, challenged them. It, it, you know, plus, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. Uh, at least I don't. But um, but I think, you know, 56 yards is, is uh, maybe two to three throws a completion to him and then maybe he can they'll sit him down. Denzel well, Ward might be on him to make it extra hard. I don't know. So yeah. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Jack brought up a bigger point than whether this guy gets his yardage or not. With, okay. Without Burroughs playing. Well Byron was a nine guy as a receiver. Well, no, Byron this. Byron is one of the most team oriented players I've ever talked to. So not only is Burroughs not playing, right? But neither is neither is Dixon. So I mean you know, that is going to hamper Cincinnati's ability to move the ball, too, Byron. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly right. And uh, But, you know, I think, too, the way you look at it and the way coaches approach these games like that is the next player up. You know, some guys need more reps. We want to make sure we got a question mark on one player to see if he can actually come in and be an adequate um, – bring, bring some spark to our team as well. So maybe that's that may be something that they're, they're talking about. But you know these these games are always uh, talked about in practice in the film room and things like that. So I think that's an extra incentive for a lot of players. And 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 this week 
uh, a lot of players are playing for the incentives for the for for the offseason. So some guys gonna get bonuses if they play number of plays, seventy five percent of the time, twenty five percent of the time. So those things gonna be in the gonna be the, in the equation as well. Yeah, I agree with that. The most interesting scenario to me, besides the Bengals and, and, and the Browns, is the Patriots and Buffalo are tied for first. Buffalo plays the Jets. The Jets played pretty well last week. Buffalo has been up and down sometimes. And then you got the Pats against the Dolphins. And listen, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami beats the Patriots. I mean, that's not, uh, you know, that's not impossible. So if the Dolphins, you know, if the Dolphins beat the Patriots, the Patriots are, you know, just a wild card team. But if Buffalo loses to the Jets and the Patriots win the, the Patriots win the division title, Byron. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I have seen and noticed that uh, Buffalo have, have played some games this year that they let themselves down. And but but they playing at home. Um, I think the fans going to be there, pack the stands, and 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 um, you know I don't see Buffalo losing to the Jets, but I do see the Jets playing hard. I mean. The Jets been playing. They should. They could should have easily beat uh, the Bucks last week, and uh, they was in the in, in, in a they was in a position to win that game. And so, you know, I, I think the Jets. One thing you, you can always say about the Jets, they play with pride. They're gonna play hard, and you got to play a perfect game to beat the Jets because right now, you know, the coaches and everybody is looking at what we're gonna do next year. We're gonna build up on and players. A lot of these players are playing for their. For their job for next year, and 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 they'll you know you got about twenty to thirty players that's gonna be playing hard football this Sunday. You know it's funny, Byron. You're a giant at heart always. Mac is a giant fan. I'm a Jet fan, and looking at our teams, I give the Jets an A for effort. I have no complaints about their effort. But if you and Mac would look in the mirror at one another, you know, it, it's talk about the Giants' effort. No way you give them an A for effort this year. Just no way. No way. I agree totally with you. I, I give them a, I give them a D. Um, the, the Giants just, uh, man, they just seem like they lost all sense of playing the game. And 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 I don't. To, you know, we talked about this all year. Who who are the leaders? Who 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 can who can rally the troops and say, hey, this? And then it takes preparation all week. You got to constantly remind yourself that you just don't go out there and go through the motion of playing the game, and you got to have some people to step up and and uh, you, you got to create some type of uh, chemistry. Uh, and you can always say, "I can depend on you," and you know, I don't see nobody going in and getting each, each other's face and hold each other accountable. It's and off the field, a lot of things that, that need to be said, and in the inside that locker room, a lot of things need to be done. So you know. Game preparation. How much film? Are you coming in early? Just a little thing have set have set have gone by the ways I think that we used to do with the Giants that I that I think not happening. You know, you got coaches, um, you know, just just not even. You know, when you come out the football field, you got to huddle up all the receivers and you got to talk about this, that, and the other. You know, who's who gonna make the big plays? Who's gonna turn the game around? And you know, we played great defense back in the day. You know, right now you just got guys like they going through the motion, filling the gaps, and uh, and not doing the thing. You know, Byron, you and Mac would know better than myself. But the next man up mentality, I think that comes has to do with performance on the field. When when it comes to leadership, it's not next man up. When the Giants lost Blake Martinez to injury, 
I think that was a loss no one talks about. I think that was a devastating loss because he provided the type of leadership unlike any other player on the team. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you lose somebody like that, but still Blake Martinez needs to be on the sideline. He needs to be in practice through the week. He needs to still be presence. And, and then we got to, like I said, next man up. And, and of course, I, I just think, you know, just think about the day when I played with Harry Carson, those guys. I mean, he was always holding you, holding the players accountable. I'm on offense and I didn't, I, I caught a pass and spiked the ball and, First thing Harry Carr said, we don't play like that. You know, that's that's not that's not who we are. And and we got to be reminded. The players know who the leaders on the team, but like I said, who are the leaders on the Giants team? I can't, you know, I don't see it. I don't hardly see that like we had back, you know, with the tradition that the Giants well, you had. You can't provide the well, same. Wait, Jack, Jack, let's let's move on. Let's move on from the Giants so we can finish up this thing because I don't really want to talk about the Giants right now, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so in NFC. Uh, Byron, we got Green Bay at number one seed. That's wrapped up. Cowboys can move up depending on if other teams lose. I think they're sitting in the fourth right now. The Bucks play the Panthers, right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the Bucks will have a problem with that. Dallas plays the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are killed by COVID right now. I expect the Cowboys to at least win this game. And, uh, you know, right now it's the, the Rams that – that at a plane of 49ers, if they lose, that might affect their standings too, or seeding to the Cowboys. You see, you see he's pretty much finishing up like this. Maybe the Rams losing, a, uh, you know, moving a seed down if they lose to the 49ers. Yeah, I, I, I do see that. And I think, yeah, well, we they had here in Dallas, they had uh, Tyron Smith, uh, Brown, the defensive back, and Michael Parson yesterday tested positive for, for COVID. So, they might have some players that ain't going to be able to play as well. So it's going to be one of those chess matches with the Eagles and the Giants. And plus, you know, all the teams in the NFC East, they hate each other. So I expect a good game. And uh, But the, the Cowboys do need to win. I don't know if the Cowboys, you know, either one, if, if they play the Rams or if they play the Cardinals, it ain't going to be no easy first game in the playoff for them regardless of the situation. So I just think that um, you guys got to let – things happen the way it should, but still at the end, you have to play to win the games and, and, and you have to keep that momentum going into the playoff. I think going into the playoffs, the biggest advantage that any team will have, if you go into the playoff with a win, I think you have a little, little bad taste in your mouth. If you lose, then, then you got a playoff game going into the playoffs. So I think if I was a coach and I was, uh, if I was a player, I would want to win the game regardless and who I would play, we play, but we're going into the playoff with a win and going to the playoff with more momentum on the winning side of things. You know, me and Jack kind of got, not an uh, argument, but we kind of got in a little debate of which team in the NFC was Super Bowl ready, Super Bowl or bust. Jack tried to say that the Rams are built for this year and they're Super Bowl ready. And, of course, I countered with, well, I think the Bucks are ready. I think the Cowboys are ready. And, of course, Green Bay's ready. I don't care what moves you make during the season. It depends on the chemistry, health, momentum. And and I don't care what team you are. I don't care if you're even a wild card team. You know, to me, Super Bowl ready is is very, you know, it's out there. I mean, it's like out there in the air. What does that mean? So, I mean, I could see any of the four division uh, uh, teams winning, go, at least going to the Super Bowl. And a couple of the, uh, a couple of the wild cards, 
might have a chance if they get hot. Yeah, and and, and I I'm always reminded too that you you have to, um, you know I, I just think going into the playoff you you have to have a lot of things you know going and and this year these teams got to deal with this COVID issue. I think that's going to be the factor they're going to affect maybe some teams that you know catch you off guard. And uh, I, I just think if I was a coach and, and I was a general manager, I would try to at least have my players and the, and the coaching staff isolate themselves, uh, do whatever they need to do, because the, the, this really have affected this, this whole season, you know, the COVID issue with the testing and stuff. And, and I, I just think, you know, you can't have your key players not playing. And, and you, so I, I think this is a whole case scenario of maybe we, we need to isolate our team and certain things that we got to, you know, do just to, just to, just to get a get in a position to win these games and, and have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I, I my fear is right before a big playoff game, a star quarterback on one of the teams is going to be pulled out by the NFL because of COVID concerns. I mean, these a playoff game isn't like the regular season, you know, where you can maybe get by now and then without a star player. But for the playoffs, I think a potential mess is there. And if no one gets held back because of COVID, what is that going to tell you? Is the league having two sets of rules, playoffs, regular season? I mean, I can foresee a messy situation come playoff time. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and, and, and no doubt every team been affected by this, by these, this testings, this, uh, People getting getting this virus, so somehow you have to be smart about it. Byron, there's there's a possibility the Super Bowl comes up and COVID hits one of the quarterbacks. There's a possibility of that, and that would be crazy. So that would be crazy. Uh, and they're talking about maybe having the possibility of playing the game here in Texas, uh, the Super Bowl. Can you imagine having to move the game from LA to to, to Dallas or AT and T, one of these other remote locations? That would be like crazy. So. Um, they and they they looking at that. They're looking at all options. They, they got to be ready for anything. Well, Byron, again, thanks yeah. for coming in as you do every Sunday, breaking down the NFL with us. Folks, Byron is on JB Talking Shops Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central on your Roku TV. So uh if you got a Roku channel, download search uh for Northeast Streaming Sports and you'll find uh, Jim Jeff Cody and Byron Williams. Byron, what you, about to say? what you about to say, Jack? I know you want Byron's to say Byron's a real team guy as a player. I could tell because the way he winces about how the Giants are doing now, I could tell he took losing really hard as a player. So I could tell he put the team ahead of himself, even though he still wanted the ball all the time. Yeah, I wanted. I had a couple of my incentives a couple of times, so I was I was happy about that. But yeah, yeah. You, you know, if you're a player and competitive, you want that ball, yeah. and of course, you want to make some highlight tapes. You know, some some moves and oh, things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. course, Can you yeah. dance? Can you dance? Can you dance, Jack? I tried it once. I took <laughs> disco lessons. I took the ten lessons. Then the guy wanted to sign me up for another ten, but I thought I'm not going to throw my money away again. I just didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. The only dancing he did might have been in the ring when he was a boxer. That's it, Byron. Oh, I danced well in the ring. I had good footwork. Yeah, quick feet, baby. The quick feet. There you go, Byron. Have a great, have a great Friday and weekend, my friend. All right, thank you guys. Have a great week. Take care. So there you go, folks. Byron Williams, our NFL analyst, comes with us every Sunday around eight thirty. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. 
We'll be back on the other side with TGI Sports Talk host Keith Angle. So stay tuned as we start talking a little bit about the Knicks, the Patriots, college sports, all kinds of stuff. Be right back after these messages. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? I don't think there's anybody back there. You want something better. You're Wendy's kind of people. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to... My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say. Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B-L-O-G-N-A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma? This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family, and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you, too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. 
Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. I'm your host, Mac, with my co-host, Jack Hirsch. Um, Jack, my assistant producer, the lovely Linda, just told me that I said it was Sunday twice. So, as you see, I don't know what day it is. I'm not sure who the 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 the, uh, the the person's name involved is. So I'm starting off today with a really big bang, Jack. I I don't listen to half of what you say, Max. Oh, so I don't. Okay. So maybe that comes under the half that I don't listen to mistakes. Otherwise, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. my producer has straightened me out and told me what day it actually is which helps out a lot as I introduce guests and stuff like that. Well, you can't wait till Sunday, Mac. I mean, you've been looking forward to it. Thank Thank you very much for the built-in excuse, Jack. I love it. And you are right. I can't wait for Sunday. Up here, it's it's been snowing like crazy where I'm at, uh, almost to 12 inches. So we've had a up here in the Northeast with the area I'm at. We're pretty much blanketed in snow. And, uh, you know, Eh, what are you going to do? It's the Northeast. It's supposed to snow in winter. So that's the way it is. And and there ain't nothing like football in the snow, Jack. I don't care what you say. That is the great hey, That's going to be one of our debate questions. We won't give the answers to let our viewers know tomorrow. Should the schedules be stacked according to warm or cold weather cities? For example, and we're not going to give our answers now. Should the Green Bay Packers play most of their home games in September and October when it's, you know, warmer, not as cold in Green Bay as it would be in November, December? Should the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play most of their home games in November and December, not when it's hot and muggy like in September and maybe October? You know, it's just a thought. Should the schedules be stacked? And you know the answer to that by me already. Well, listen, we'll save that tomorrow. People have to tune in, and uh, we will. We'll save it for tomorrow. You know, my uh, my. Uh, never mind. We have Keith Angle that just came in from TGI Sports. He uh, he will be on Roku at this afternoon at twelve. So if you got your Roku channel, uh, in in at Northeast Streaming Sports is downloaded, you'll be able to see Keith at. 12 noon, uh, where he'll go through his his great show. I mean, Keith Angle has a lot of a lot of he has three shows a week that I know. Plus, he does a blog, a vlog, not a blog, a vlog. It's a video, and uh, he does a great job with all of them covering football, baseball, basketball. He's all over the place, but does a great job. Let's bring him up and see how Keith is doing today. I am very unknowledgeable on a lot of topics. I can tell yes, you. well, at least you know. Do you know what today is, Keith? What's today? Today is, uh, what is today? Uh, I'm Thank trying you. to think of the date. January uh, 7th. Uh, I should know this. There you go. It's what Friday. Is it? It's Friday. Oh, it's I've, Friday. I've called, it, I've, called it, I've called it Sunday twice today. So oh, I did know it's Friday, yes. I thought you were sticking me with some kind of anniversary I didn't know about. No, no, no. Well, all right. Thanks a lot, Keith. I thought you were going to come to my 75th anniversary on this show today, I think. Yeah, well, January uh, 7th. Wow, the days went quick. It was just last Saturday, New Year's Day. I covered a big boxing show in seven days. Yeah, yeah. Gone. Gone, wow. guys. 
flying by. You got a lot of snow uh, where you're at, too, Keith? Uh, not a lot. Two or three inches, that's about it. Now, maybe we're going to get four. We're not going to get a lot. You guys, I think, uh, west of us are going to get more down the city. I know Carlos uh, just told me they had like a foot and a half in the city. So Yeah, yeah we're about at 12 where I'm at. So uh, Yeah. Sunny, a high of 79 where I'm at. Yeah. How come Jack's? What's Jack doing on his show in the wintertime? For <laughs> I don't know. To brag in a short sleeve shirt. <laughs> so Keith, a lot of a lot of interesting uh, things going on here in the uh, in the world of sports here, especially with the stuff you cover. I mean, uh, we've got a couple things. We'll, we'll talk a little bit first about the Knicks and the Celtics. Exciting game last night. The Knicks have won two in a row. Break them up. I mean, they you know that's it. They're they're making their run now. But exciting. I, I, the uh, the exciting game, Fournier finally gets a little hot against his old team, pours in 41 points. And I didn't see Kemba Walker. I didn't see uh, – I quickly had a pretty good game. So did Barrett. So did Randall, of course. But I didn't I didn't see a couple of the other ones. And Kemba Walker's temporarily out that he wasn't a factor. Yeah. Yeah, he was out. He didn't play at all. Yeah, he wasn't quite as effective as he had been last night, but uh, Barrett stepped up big time last night. Played well, and and uh, uh, Randall didn't have his best game last night. And, you know, listen, I'm not one of the things I'm really not happy about is his giving the uh, thumbs down to the booing and stuff. Yeah. To the, that stuff doesn't help you get out of slumps. It doesn't help get the fans on your side. Just take your lumps and walk off the court. I hate to see that stuff. Especially in New York, it's hard to win guys back once you do stuff like that, you know. So, but look at the team's playing better, six and four in the last ten. What's he got? What's Robert got there? Robert saying, "Rub it in, Jack." No. Five inches of snow here in Nashville. So, <laughs> yeah, I know some people in Tennessee got even more than that. So, Robert Butler there uh, on Sports Scope, of course. Guys, Kemba Walker was out. He wasn't I in the last. I said yes. he didn't play. I said yeah. he didn't play. I said right, he didn't right, play. right. But the, you know what gets me to, guys? Fournier plays the game of his life, maybe the best game of his career, I would guess. And Barrett, who had a poor game, hits one shot at the end, and he's getting all the headlines. Well, shouldn't we have better priorities? Uh, well... Again, it, it, what you do in clutch time is important, yes, but I agree that, you know, <laughs> I'm not getting excited over Fournier's 41 points last night because he scored zero the game before. So, you know, let's. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a street player. I mean, he gets hot sometimes and sometimes he's cold. Reminds me a little bit about uh, of Starks in his in his day. Could either hit you, hit you with 40 or hit you with two. You know, they, it's just yeah. it, that's how, he, how he's feeling. But the Knicks, again. They're one game below 500. Uh, still plenty of time to go. Maybe they get lucky and move up into the top six. I, I, I don't see it, but we'll see what happens, right? It's only a couple games out of that sixth spot. So it's not like the end of the world here, but they got to get, you know, more consistent. You know, maybe to let, again, six and four in the last 10 is the most consistent they've been all yeah. year, probably. Yeah. So they're starting to show some life. Uh, I like quickly. I like what quickly has been bringing to the team since he came back and, uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how I missed Walker. I think I was looking at the, the box score from the game before. I think that's why I was looking at it. Well, listen, uh, you know, I think it's Sunday, so I can't say nothing to you right I'll now. I'll tell you, that was the most, Keith, that was the most fun game I've seen in a while towards the end. Seeing the way the crowd got into it, it was like the crowd was part of the game. It well, was like pure fun. And I felt like 
watching it, it was like a high school gym going back and forth with the students. People were hugging one another in the, in the crowd. It was a lot of fun to watch that Nick come back. Well, the, the Garden fans can be like that, right? That's why it's such a great place to play, especially when, well, more so when you're winning, obviously. But um, the crowd is a, is like the sixth man there, and they, they can they can certainly pick the team up, which is why Randall doesn't need to do the stuff he did, uh, you know. Keith, don't I, sweat it. Don't sweat that thing. Don't sweat it. That's just uh, you know. Don't disrespect fans. They pay the money to come and watch you play. Don't disrespect yeah. Yeah, they used to. I don't know about that. That they do now. I think maybe the networks pay the salaries, but that's okay. But I agree with you. You just just play basketball. Don't worry about the other stuff. Um, so let's get to college sports real quick, right? Um, you you have of course the big game Monday. Uh, we saw the game already. Alabama threw on Georgia pretty well. I don't expect them to be able to do that uh, this time. I think Georgia will be ready for them. And in my opinion, Georgia beats Alabama for the national championship. I've got Georgia. I like Georgia. I think it says something, you know, and the odds makers have made them a three, three and a half point favorite, which again, look, it doesn't mean people, it does, nobody thinks they're three points better necessarily. The odds are just to get money bet on both sides. And I really thought if the people in the know thought that Alabama was a sure thing here, the line would be flipped because they'd want money on Georgia. I like Georgia a lot here and the keys for them is going to be, uh, Stetson Bennett needs to really play well and be mistake free, and they need to get some pressure on Bryce. Uh, uh, Bryce, uh, what the hell's his name? Bryce Young, um, and contain him a little bit. You just you're not going to stop him, right? But you got to contain him a little bit. Um, I think Georgia got out of what they like to do in that SEC championship game. They got behind early, which again is a key here. Um, but I see Georgia rebounding here. And Kirby Smart needs to get the I can't beat Nick Saban monkey off his back. And this is going to be one of his better opportunities to do so because this isn't a vintage uh, Alabama Nick Saban team. As you know, these are the best two teams in the country. I, I have no doubt about it. Uh, but this Alabama team is certainly beatable as we've seen this year. You know, we had we had Jim Jeff going on talking Sunday a, a little bit. I, you, you might even have been part of the conversation. Where we're talking, what the big advantage the SEC, especially Alabama and Georgia this year, have, and it's the size of the line, right? Their lines, their defensive lines and offensive lines are grown men, and they're playing against pretty much kids. I mean, if you look at the sizes when they line up against each other, that's why Alabama just ran the ball against Cincinnati. There's no way they could really stop them. I mean, they made some plays, but for the most part, they just imposed the will. And the same thing with Georgia. I mean, Georgia, you know, you're not going to run the ball on that big defensive line. They're going to run the ball on you, whether you like it or not. It's just yeah. a, a huge advantage on the lines that they have in the SEC. Well, you saw it. Uh, it, it was shocking to see because, you know, again, I thought Cincinnati was a good football team, and I don't think Cincinnati's got anything to be embarrassed about with their effort last week. Um, they were in the game for three, you know, three quarters. Their offense didn't perform, but what really struck me, Mac, to go to your point, is in, during the pregame, uh, looking at the difference in the size of the kids, uh, especially in the trenches, it's like men against boys in a lot of matchups. And that was a lot of the key. And you're right. The SEC is way ahead of, especially the group of five teams. I, this was a good thing for the group of fives, but uh, they still got a little ways to go to catch up to the big boys for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, you know what it remind you know what it remind me of Keith a lot is like when the military schools, which their average size is about two fifty, yeah, uh, 
going up against 320 pounders and they got to use that triple option to win the game. They got to kind of fool them. And even yeah. though they're in great shape, eventually as the game wears on, I mean, them big bodies hitting you all the time is going to kind of wear you down a little bit. And there's really nothing you can do about it, except maybe run a triple option to try to vote. It's a good point. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see. Again, th- these power, these conference uh, dominations have been a cyclical thing through history, basically. Right. A conference will dominate for four or five years. It'll be the Big Ten, the Pac-10, the SEC and the ACC. And then then it it r- rotates. This SEC cycle, though, has been about 15 years, really, where they've been a conference in in NCAA football. And I don't know if it's going to end anytime soon. Not with the new teams joining there, Keith. I don't think so either. I expect expect more teams to go over there, too. I really do. I expect the bigger teams to go over there just for recruiting purposes alone. So I wouldn't be surprised in a couple years seeing Ohio State, maybe Clemson go to the SEC. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. Well, if Ohio State leaves the Big Ten, then everything's up for grabs in all of college football. So that's I agree. So we haven't talked with you about college basketball yet this year, really. Um, I know you follow that just as much as the football. Um, The the biggest game I saw uh, yesterday was Indiana beating Ohio State that was ranked. I'm not surprised Indiana could beat anybody. Uh, Indiana always has a strong program over there. Any surprises you've seen so far early in the year? Uh, you know, some, uh, I thought St. John's was going to be a little bit better. Their record's not bad. They're not playing great basketball. And I thought with some, with some of the kids that they returned and, and some of the people they brought in, they would, they would have a better showing it. They still can't play with the really big, uh, big guys yet. Um, who else has surprised me? Um, I'm just starting to dive into this and we're going to, uh, by the way, pivot a little bit on Wednesday nights. We'll be doing more college basketball along with college sure. football into the season. So um, just to keep you guys abreast of that. Um, what else has surprised me? I guess uh, as I look quickly, the fact that Arizona is uh, 10 and one is, is a bit of a surprise. Uh, they've been a bit disappointment uh, here for a, a few years and still under some investigation from the, uh, not just the NCAA, but the FBI still. Uh, uh, what else is going on? Uh, Alabama staying strong. Providence has been a bit of a surprise. What you know, it, it's hard to look at these preseason uh, rankings, or not these preseason, but the pre-conference schedule rankings, and get too excited, right? Because you're going to see a lot of teams, maybe like Providence, who's a good basketball team. But is that ten and one record going to stand up? And, and when when con- or thirteen and one going to stand up when they get into the conference and start playing, you know, better competition and whatnot? Syracuse has been a bit of a disappointment to me this year. I thought they were going to be an improved team, and so far in the, in uh, non-conference play, they have not been setting the world on fire either. And they're going to, you know, being in the ACC now. There's not there's no nights off in the, in the ACC really. So Syracuse could be in for a bit of a tough year again, which makes me wonder how long Jim Beheim's going to be sticking around there. Can um, he say one more year and one more year is turning into more? Yeah, it, yeah. It, look, he said one more year like eight years ago too. You know, before his top assistant Hopkins went off to uh, Washington. Speaking uh, of the Big East, do you think they're ever going to get back to the glory days? So that's just an aberration what went on, you know, the days of Georgetown, St. John's, Syracuse. 
it'll never be what it was uh, just because, you know, there wasn't a prolifer proliferation of games on TV. It was a, the Big East was a TV uh, uh, league. That's what put it together, right? And uh, Dave Gavitt was just brilliant in the way he put that that lead together. And I don't think we'll ever see that again just because college basketball's changed, changed so much. And it's changed a lot because of what the Big East did uh, back in the early 80s and, and the success that they had. Um, we had four-year players then, too, and that was a major difference then. So we got so much more familiar with them. They actually had a college career. Now they have more or less a college stopover. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate part of the game today. It's hard to really get invested into teams because they change over so much from year to year. Uh, not just kids uh, staying a year and, and leaving, but now the transfer portal has opened up a whole new avenue for kids to move around at, uh, you know, at their free will. Um, and it's changed the game of uh, all, all of college uh, sports, really, uh, not just basketball, but football and baseball. Something we don't talk a lot about is college baseball, but this transfer portal thing isn't affected just these major sports. It's all of the sports. So I love the transfer portal. It reminds me of the days of watching Star Trek. So I just like well, to make the transfer you know, Everybody's a free agent every year. It's, you know, where else can you have that? You don't have that anywhere else in society, probably. Well, maybe in real jobs, I guess you can, if you don't have a contract, but you know, in professional sports, you got a contract. You have to stay there, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, they do have ops and stuff like that. But, you know, again, college football has been uh, for the universities for so long, you know, and, and this is kind of, you know, maybe it's a time for the for the kids to have their say, too, because uh, if the coaches can move, you know, why can't the kids move? And that's the biggest question I have. And that's yeah. the biggest point I made on that. Good point. One thing to think about with college basketball, too, you know, last year, what was really interesting was the Blue Bloods were really not playing well. Duke wasn't yeah. good. Kentucky wasn't good. Carolina wasn't good. Well, Duke's back for sure. They're second in the country. Uh, Kentucky's in the top 15 anyway. And and we're going to see a return to some of the Blue Bloods, uh, I think, being up in, in uh, where we're used to seeing the stratosphere we're used to seeing them, I think, going forward. Yeah, is, I, 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 I do I do agree with that a little bit. I don't know about Kentucky, but I do agree uh, definitely with Duke. Um, let's get to the Patriots in, in the scenario. We won't talk about the game too much, but there's a scenario where the Patriots still can win the division title. It's a long shot. You know, the Jets have to beat Buffalo. Jets, Jets, the, Jets, Jets, Jets. And the, and the Patriots have got to beat Miami, and that's not going to be easy. And it's sure not going to be easy for the Jets to beat Buffalo. I mean, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if either of those – Things happened, especially if Miami could beat the Patriots. I think Miami, with a couple of mistakes by the Patriots, could give them a, a real tight game and maybe pull it out. Jets and Buffalo, maybe not as much, but anything could happen. So at least you guys are in the, you're, you're in the playoffs and you still have a shot at the division title uh, at the end of the year, which is a lot more than than what a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year, Keith. Yeah, definitely much more than when even I thought. I thought we'd be battling for a wild card spot this last weekend. That's wrapped up and. Yeah, I mean, if if they don't win the division, I I, I guess their, their their wild card ranking could change. That's just going to change who you play. And I'll be honest with you, if 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 I, we can't win the division, I'd rather stay where we are and play Buffalo in the first round, and not a team like Cincinnati that's got a really good running the game to go along with a really good passing game. Young team, but I still might rather play Buffalo. Also, don't forget. The Patriots ha still have an outside shot of having that number one seed. That's not gone yet either. If Kansas City were to lose to Tennessee, which 
is not beyond the realm of possibility in the Jets beat the Bills, which is much <laughs> much further out there. Well, I don't uh, think Kansas City's playing the Tennessee Titans. They're playing. No, they're playing the but you mean if Tennessee loses and Kansas City loses? I don't think there's any scenario. Tennessee, that's right. They both have to lose. Sorry, I'm sorry. They both have to lose, right? So, well, But let me just say this, Keith, what I mentioned to Mac earlier in the show and I mentioned it in another show. Uh, for those who don't think that uh, – Certain scenarios could take place with the Patriots winning the division, feeling the Jets have no shot with Buffalo. Remember a couple of years ago when Miami, who got, you know, annihilated by New England early in the year, they went into New England and New England had a buy at stake in the first round, in the first round, and they actually lost to the Dolphins. So things like that do happen. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it was, uh, it led to Tom Brady's last game, losing yeah. to the Titans in the first round. Yeah, it, it's funny too. The Patriots, in in some ways this year, may be better off not winning the division because the only advantage is you're going to get a game at home, at least a game at home. But the Patriots have not been that as good as at home as on the road this year. I still yeah. think they prefer to play at home. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, listen, listen. I I don't. You know, Keith, I don't believe in all that nonsense. Who plays better at home, especially when it comes to playoffs? It doesn't matter anymore. That's all out the window. You get it's a different speed. It's a different game. People are, are, you know, some teams do get blown out, and that's when everything goes wrong. But normally, both teams are fired up. It don't matter where you play. You know, you, 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 this is your shot. This is your shot to get to Super Bowl. And and that's that's what they're thinking. You definitely have an advantage sleeping in your own bed, not in a hotel, you know, where, where mm-hmm. Bill Belichick can pull fire alarms in the middle of the night and get you, get you out <laughs> in the street. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I will say this. The Patriots, uh, in the way they're playing with house money at this point, <laughs> Because they can get eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. And the year's been a success because it means they gathered the franchise again and that they're back. But then again, about four weeks ago when the Patriots won that great run, a lot of people were favoring them to maybe go to the Super Bowl. That's how good they were looking. So there's kind of mixed feelings. But when you look at what was expected at the beginning of the season, the year I think has been a success no matter what. Oh, I I agree with all the new bodies uh, that they brought in and and integrating a rookie quarterback into this system, which is not an easy system to learn. And and they've given him uh, the tools to succeed. I think this is a successful season right now. Uh, the only thing that would damper it for me is going into the playoffs and get thoroughly embarrassed, which I do not think will happen. Um, I think the AFC is wide open. I mean, I think any one of these teams that makes the playoffs could probably go to the Super Bowl, to be honest with you, this year. Nobody's that good. We'll see about that. I mean, I, I, I kind of think Kansas City is still, if not Tennessee, are still a little bit better than most teams. But we'll see what happens. You're right. Anything can happen. Any game. Wild card teams have won the Super Bowl before, Keith. It's happened uh, Look, not too long ago. Go I will tell you, Mike Vrabel, in my mind, has got to be getting great consideration, along with Bill Belichick, for Coach of the Year, because for him to keep that team in contention for the first seed, the number one seed in the AFC, without Derrick Henry for the last six weeks or two months, however long it's been, is an amazing uh, job, I think. Uh, Let's hold off one more week. If they lose to Houston, that would be two losses to Houston and a loss to the Jets. That would be bad. That would be bad. bad. Yes. 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 I think Lose the bye, yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming in as you do every Friday, updating us on all the sports. And we'll see you on Sunday with your preview of the actual game.
between the Patriots and Dolphins, which I think could be a very good one. So it's going to be a burn burner. The Dolphins have had the Patriots number a little bit here, so they sure have. So Keith, we'll let you go. Take a quick break, and folks, right after we're back, the Philly sports guy himself in control of the NFC East show last night, which he belongs as as the show went off miraculously. So uh, we'll be back <laughs> with with uh, with Pags right after these breaks. Keith, again, have a great Friday today. You guys enjoy the weekend. See ya. All right. right, right. So there you go, folks. Keith Angle with TGI Sports. I finally got the day right, which helps me out a lot. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages with the Philly sports guy himself. A couple of minutes, folks. shakes, lean beefy cheeseburgers and hamburgers, icy cold soft drinks, and here's a plus, spill-proof lids on all beverages, another plus, napkins that are big as a bib, quality, cleanliness, extra care service, that's McDonald's, a total value that's unmatched anywhere. You probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. Shaper is a one bit to have when you're having more than one. Shaper pleasure doesn't fade even when your thirst is done. The most rewarding flavor in this man's world for people who are having fun. Shaper is the one bit to have when you're having more than one. Ever wonder what makes Schaefer the one beer to have when you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. 
and it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. This is our Friday show. I'm going to get it right, Jack. I don't care. Um, I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, Jack Hirsch, Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame boxing writer and also the guru of our sports show here, as he knows more about sports than sports centers. Broadcasters all put together, and that's in his mind. I uh, that's uh, well, that's a slight exaggeration, Mac. But you know, and it's, it's, I usually keep my mouth shut when you say that. I kind of like soak it in, you know. Yes. I, sometimes some of us live a lie from time to time. Yes, yes, and you soak it in just like a sponge, Jack. Let's bring up the Philly sports guys. We talk about Philly sports here for this segment. Good morning, Pags. How you doing? Uh, Mac, Mac, you should say congratulations, Pags. Not good morning, Pags. Congratulations, Pags, on the Eagles making the playoffs. And now the mindset's got to be, what do the Eagles need to do to win the Super Bowl? Because they're in the party. They're in the door. They're at the party. What are they going to do at the party? Now, just being at the party is not enough at this point. So you're asking me to start off this show what they need to do to win the Super Bowl? They need an act of God, I think. You know, let's, so let's be for real. Let's be for real. Uh, I, I think that the fact that they're there. Uh, hey, listen, I, you guys all play, made fun of me when I said that they were going to go 9-8 and eight and possibly 10-7 and seven or 11-6. and six. You guys all made fun of me. Here I was it is. listening to Matt. Matt. They proved me right. They proved me right. And I didn't think that exactly, exactly. I, I listen. I, I have it saved for when you guys did that to me initially. No, and we got to bring Joe Santaliquito back on the show, my buddy, because he had a debate with Pags on where the Eagles were going to go, and clearly, Pags, you know, wins this. I mean, clearly. I mean, I love Joe; he's a great guy. But Pags kicked his rear end in that debate as the evidence came out. So we got to give Pags his due. I'll let Joe know that. I don't think Joe's anxious to come on. And no, I, I don't think so either. I but, think but he's the type of guy who would. 
Yes. Nobody asked him to. Yeah, because uh, Joe did did say, you know, you're just a fan. You don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. it turns 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 to be that the uh, sports writer himself was, of course, upset by the Philly sports guy. Who else would? And, and and not and there's there's plenty of them out there that were dead wrong, dead wrong about this team. So it it, it took them a while. Obviously, at two and five. You, you never thought that they would have wound up here. But I did say, I'm like, this is this was the hard part of the season. Now comes the easier part of the schedule. All we have to do is start to put some things together. And they, you saw them starting to make the turn. So it, it, it's not a surprise that they've been on this winning streak, you know, of sorts. Uh, obviously, this week is not as important, you know, which is a shame because it is Dallas week. You know, it's so uh, that usually has a lot more vigor in this city. But the fact that this game doesn't really mean as much and that half our team has COVID is, you know. I will say this for the NFC, Nick Sirianni and my book is Coach of the Year for the NFC. If I have to have an NFC Coach of the Year, I don't see who you put ahead of Nick Sirianni. I, I absolutely agree. I feel that Dallas. That Dallas is like Dallas had the opportunity. McCarthy definitely had the opportunity to win Coach of the Year and was probably the front runner about four weeks ago. And then you just watch them kind of spiral a little bit. I I am interested to see how they handle the first week of the playoffs because it now looks like that there's no chance that we're going to be playing them. And I thought that we'd be playing back to back. It looks like right now that we're going to be going to LA. Uh, of course. They got their last week of the season against San Francisco, and San Francisco needs the win to be able to get in. Where if they lose, the Saints have oh, it opens the door for the Saints to get in. Right. So, and if the Saints get in, that means we're going to Tampa. Right. And I, I I know that they got Tom Brady down there, but they are turning into a little bit of a hot mess. And I would love and relish the opportunity to go back and play Tampa again. And go down to Tampa and play them there. I think that out of all the teams that we could play, you know, between LA and Tampa, I'd much rather play Tampa because I think Tampa is we're better suited for Tampa and our running game. Where I think LA's defensive line, you know, that Von Miller trade that hasn't really shown much. The one thing that they have done is they've been gotten considerably better against the run. And I think that that's the one thing that the Rams would have over us that Tampa Bay does not. Let's look at that scenario, all right, Pags. Say San Fran loses to to the Rams, which is, is quite possible. Um, right. And New Orleans gets in and you play the Buccaneers. Uh, I think you have a good shot at the Bucs. I mean, they got Tom Brady, which means that, you know, uh, at the end, if they're in the game, if Tampa Bay is even close, that's going to be bad for the Eagles. But the Rams themselves, you know, we 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 talk about the Rams right now. We talked about them in the beginning of the year, like they were going to the Super Bowl. They got Matt Stafford. They picked up Von Miller. They put everything in the middle of the table. But that doesn't guarantee anything. So I don't I don't think your odds against against the Rams are much worse than against the Bucks because listen, Tom Brady's easily easily better than Matt Stafford. And Tampa Bay oh, has by far, by far. Tampa Bay's uh, receiving core, even without Antonio Brown, is one of the best in the league. If you count tight ends, Evans, all those guys, they got a great receiving core and a strong, a better running game than the Rams. 
uh, with Dylan and Jones. I mean, you, you look at that, that running game is better than the Rams running game. So I, I don't think I'll be honest. I'll be honest. There's one matchup that I look at more importantly than anything else. And that's offensive and defensive line matchup. And I feel that our offensive line and our defensive line matches up much better with Tampa Bay's offensive and defensive line than it does with the Rams offensive and defensive line. I feel that Stafford, I don't feel that Stafford's the answer. I still think that Stafford, you know, my pick for the NFC championship is probably, I think it's going to be the Rams in Green Bay. And I still think that the Rams aren't going to be strong enough to beat Green Bay because Stafford wilts at certain times. And I think that against Green Bay, that it's 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 a it's a distinct possibility, uh, just because he's had such uh, he hasn't won much in Green Bay, so that's and it's that that history starts to come back into play a little bit. I feel that, like I said, just in that alone, everything else has got to fall into place too. You're, you're right. Tom Brady is the best that's ever played this game. You know, and he knows a lot about this game. And when they came up here, it was like they were playing games with us, you know, that they didn't even try for a half. And we came back up. And then when they needed to, when they needed to, you know, turn the car back on again, all he did was do a seven minute drive to win the game. You know what yeah. I mean? To put the game away. And so I don't know that, if Stafford could do that. And I don't know if Stafford could do that yet. We'll find out. It's going to be, I mean, to me, this is a really interesting playoff year. This is an interesting year, period. This is one of the most exciting years I can remember in a while because, you know, anything can happen, we know. And and there is different matchups that are going to be uh, won and lost in different ways. It doesn't matter if you've got the better team on paper. It's going to be a lot to do with the teams you play and the matchups in those games. It's really going to be exciting this year, Pegs. I really think that. I, I agree. And, and and that's why, that's why some of this Antonio Brown situation – really comes into play because it just it creates drama where there wasn't any before so i just you know there's there's distraction over in tampa bay and now they got to play a playoff game and you know when you think of the wild card last year and how washington was really just uh you know a couple of plays away from beating them I think that it, the Eagles could absolutely do that. And wouldn't that be a big, you know, cementation of, you know, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni to beat, you know, the greatest of all time in terms of the quarterback and the, the, the defending Super Bowl champions in the playoffs? That would be that would be something to do. I can't say that. I can't guarantee that it's going to be done. I'm happy to be here. You know, and I, I'm happy that the, the experience that they're going to be getting. But once you win that game, then you got to go to Green Bay and it's going to be eight degrees and snowy. And that's going to be a tough game to play, too. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough game for me to go to, you know, because yeah. I'm going to be, you know, I, that's cold. That's cold up there. So yeah. it's going to be cold this weekend. This Saturday night, it's going to be 22 degrees at game time. Yeah, yeah. So, I just, I just love the things, and you know, you talk about Antonio Brown. That might galvanize the Bucks too. That may make them come out and play together more. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there, as far as how the Bucks react to all this nonsense. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Seventy Sixers. Seventy Sixers have won, I think, what is it, six in a row, five or six in a row. Uh, they're in, they're in the fifth position now, and Embiid's playing well again. He's starting to turn it on again. Um, 
I love Maxi. I love that dude. I think I think that's the biggest one of the biggest surprises of the season, the way he's been playing for Philadelphia, even when Embiid wasn't there. So, what what are you projecting here? Do the I don't I don't know if the 76ers right now have the team to win the champion the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they do. I think they need one more piece back. Uh, maybe 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 a, a you know your forward played a little bit better. His name escapes me right now. But he played a little bit better last night. Tobias Harris. Yeah, you're just missing that one piece. And if you can pick up a one piece there, I, I think you guys can really uh, make a run at the finals this year. You know, I, I I hate to say this. I I thought that Ben Simmons getting engaged was going to create a certain type of drama that gets him back on the court. That it was going to be like, you know what? My life has changed a little bit. Uh, I, I'm, um, the past is the past. Let's move forward. And I was hoping that there was going to be a little bit of that. And that he was going to get back on the court. Now, I don't know if the Sixers even want him back on the court right now. But that is that that shoe has got to drop. And without that shoe dropping, it, there's, there's going to be a lot of, you know, I, I don't think that they're going to have enough. But I, I thought maybe him getting engaged and him doing like this, all this off the court stuff that's going on would culminate with, hey, I just bought her a ring. Uh, you know, I, I'm getting fined. It, it's time to put this to bed. It's time to finally put this to bed and let me come back and play. Because obviously him playing makes the rest of the team better. And you can't help but say that that is 100% true. You know, even, uh, who cares that you don't make a foul shot? Who cares you don't want to shoot the ball? Tax, it, it, tax. But how would he be received by the fans if he did come back? And how would he be received if he got off to a bumpy start? Well, he's going to get off to a bumpy start because he hasn't been on the court forever. But, you know, and I think about, so most recently, Jalen Rager has been getting a tremendous amount of boos. When every time they mention his name, the Philly the Phillies fans have been booing him, and all he had to do was have a good return, and he had a good return. All of a sudden, they started cheering for him. Philly fans want to see the effort, so yes, he's going to have to take some of his licks. He's going to have to have some earplugs in so that he doesn't hear the stuff that's going to be yelled at him initially, but you know, and have his thick skin on. But I think that once he's back on the court and he's doing the things that he does well, and all of a sudden the team starts to, you know, move up in the standings, there would be a difference, you know, very quickly. I, it wouldn't take as long as you think. I think that, yes, you, he's definitely got to wear a coat of thick skin, you know, to definitely come back on the court. But ultimately, if as long as he was showing effort, doing the things he needs to do, and the team started winning in a big way, that it would be a big difference. And all of a sudden, you'd see him uh, not be booed anymore. And, and people forget. People forget quick. Hmm. I mean, listen, you win, you win, and you're, the reason for that winning, you'll definitely turn around uh, the fans' minds. As you saw what Aaron Rodgers is here, what he did before the season. I mean, they're winning, they're playing well, and, you know, all that stuff that was done in the beginning of the season is forgiven. And then just go win a Super Bowl. So uh, definitely, I agree with you, Pax. Real quick with the Flyers, they lost to Pittsburgh last night. 
Pittsburgh's hot as heck right now. They're on fire packs. I think they won like nine in a row or something. Ten. Ten in a row. Ten in a row. They, they beat the Flyers six to two. Um, I know they're your rivals, but you got to give them credit. Pittsburgh's playing their butts off right now. So, I, I mean, literally, we had everybody was out with COVID. So, I, and not to make excuses. I mean, I was at that game yesterday, and, and Pittsburgh is a good team. Uh, there was a lot. There was a lot of scoring depth. They they had. Uh, it seemed like every guy that was scoring had scored fifteen or seventeen goals in the season so far. Yeah. So and it wasn't, and they weren't named Sidney Crosby, you know. And it, Malkin wasn't in the game. So there was a lot of scoring. They have a lot of scoring depth right now. Pittsburgh is always good in the in the regular season, and then when it comes to the postseason, they seem to shrivel up. Uh, that they turn that switch on too early. Now, is that going to be the same this year? There is, uh, you know, a general manager over on that side who I'm very familiar with, and he's a tough general manager to play for. And he, you know, from what I understand from that franchise in general, before he got there, it was a little lax, and he is anything but lax. You are standing at attention all the time when you're in his presence over there because he demands a certain type of play and a certain type of respect. And I got to imagine that that is starting to resonate a little bit. So when you go from, when you go from the, the substitute teacher where everybody is, you know, playing games and doing their thing, and then you get the real teacher that comes in here who's real strict, all of a sudden everybody stands up straight and sits up tight in their desk and does their work better that I feel like that there's some of that going on and I don't know how well it'll resonate into the playoffs, but right now they are a pretty, you know, well-coached, well-playing team. Yeah. And, and the Flyers has been better off since they moved on from AV as coach. Yes and no. Uh, the, the power play and the penalty kill still not up to snuff. Uh, they they've given up a lot of shorthanded goals. I mean, I, it seems like every time I'm watching it that they're giving up a shorthanded goal, and I'm not. And I think that that goes with system. Uh, I I am not real excited about this coach. Uh, it's you know I know that he is somebody who came from the Minnesota Wild, so he's got ties to the general manager. I, I mean, I I love this team. I'm not happy with the directions that they have been going. And ultimately, it's going to be hard for them to turn it on enough to be to be able to go to the playoffs. I don't know that they've got it in them. I just don't know. Well, you know, uh, season's still young, and as they say, but, man, it, these games do count in the end, that's for sure. Uh, Pags, great job on the NFC East show last night. Uh, watched it on Roku TV. You guys did a great job, as always, over there. Great film editing and stuff like that. And folks, uh, as as I've told you, where we are on Roku TV right now, we're on right now live. And uh, Pax has, has a great show with Sneaky G Man and a couple True Blue and the, the Hog Farmer or whoever the Washington guy is, I forget. But uh, they have a great show over there if you like the NFC East. I don't know what he's going to do when the season's over. Maybe he changes it to, I don't know, Big East or something. I don't know. But, but good job over there. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for you to get your other shows up and going as you had before. And uh, check on the Roku channel on the VOD categories. Vidi's on demand. We got Pags with his man caves. I have a, a quick one on uh, um, 
on him doing his uh, Philly sports guy uh, shtick with, uh, with, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's all over the place. I know he can't wait for the playoffs and either go to Dallas or wherever you're going. I know you're going to have a blast with that. Even if you go to Green Bay, I know you have a great time doing that. You, you just So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're going to be, you know, I'm going wherever they're going. So, yeah. I mean, I, I am one of the very few fans that is fortunate enough to have gone to all 16 games so far. Uh, we'll be going to the 17th on Saturday, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, the playoff games, however long we're in the playoffs, I'll be at every playoff game. Uh, I, I feel like that maybe I should just be put on the salary. But <laughs> my highlight was when you were in Detroit this season. <clears throat> when you were in the parking lot tailgating, I could tell the Lion fans, they didn't have it in them, I knew Seeing you in the parking lot, I figured now the Eagles got to beat them. They were just timid, the line fans. When they're patting you on the back, trying to make the nice, they should have showed a little more fight. I tell you, you say that, you say that, but I tell you, that that fan base has been through a tremendous amount. I mean, obviously, being a Detroit Lions fan is not easy at all. (laughs) And they, they are as true as they can be. I, I, I swear, I, I've, I, I've made a lot of friends uh, from that tailgate and just, just in general from going to drafts and such like that. And it really is amazing to me how a team can be uh, so inept and yet a fan base so be so galvanized to that team that they don't quit. They show up every week. They, you know, they have a tailgate where they bring a hot tub and they make the water blue. And they go swimming in the hot tub before they go into the game. I mean, that's you know, that's a very unique tailgate. Uh, yeah. and, and like you said, they've got it's just they, they have a great fan base. It, it's it's interesting to me how like when Buffalo wasn't good for so long and the Buffalo Mafia still showed up, the Lion Pride still shows up, the Cleveland Browns fans are still showing up. And you know, they had one good season and now they're back in, not in the playoffs again. And you know, that these these working, you know, blue collar, these blue collar fan bases and how galvanized they are to their teams. Uh, it, it, you know, I, amongst everything else, I am a fan of fans and I love it when fans show passion for their team. We all get paid the same amount to be fans of our team, all the same amount. So which is zero. We all get paid nothing. In fact, we pay to be fans of these teams. And to be able to go there and get beat up and get beat up and get beat up and still show up. It's like, it's like having to give the, the, uh, the bully, the lunch money, you know, every day week and you still I show up. I'm a jet fan. I can relate. Believe me. <laughs> I, I've been there the last half century. Exactly. You used to have hair and then the jets make you pull your hair all out. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> Uh, Pags, I love having you on the show every week. We'll see you Sunday with the actual game. I, I got a quick question for you because I know we haven't spoken about this much at all, but I want to get your guys' opinion. Are we going to have a baseball season? Hmm. Well, Let Jack's- me say this. Why are they hiring coaches and managers if there's a lockout? I thought there's not allowed to be any activity. Yeah, I think there will be. You know, everything will work out. The regular season will be yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to win. Why are they hiring now? I they're, listen, they the they, every, every time this happens, they wait till the last minute to, to do things. They, they're not going to get it done right now, that's for sure. But soon as the soon, maybe even a little bit in the preseason, they'll come to an understanding and the games will go off. There's too much money involved. 
for both sides not to do something. And uh, I mean, the longer they're out, both sides lose money, and I don't care what they got in the chest. So they'll be a, they'll be a, they'll they'll do something before the season starts. That's for sure. Facts. Well, it, it, I get that question asked to me a lot, and and the the lack of inactivity between the collective bar, whatever it is, I don't know if it's the CBA or the ML, you know, Players Association or whatever, and the owners, I, and the way that you know this Scherzer, the Scherzer contract was really the 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 nail in the coffin to this, and how is it that you backpedal from that? Like, how do you go backwards and say, listen? These contracts aren't worth this much. I mean, by the end of by the end of Mike Trout's contract, he's going to own the Angels. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's uh, and how do you how do you how do you backtrack from that? I I think of I think of when they were paying Mario Lemieux so much money in Pittsburgh that they didn't have that he became the owner. <clears throat> he's like, I'm going to own the team now. You know, and he became a great owner. I mean, obviously, he was great at what he does. I think he still, I think he still has a lot, a lot of say in there, even though he doesn't own the team anymore. But it's, yeah, it's, I, I think contracts have gotten way out of control. Listen, there's way too much money involved. They're not gonna, they're not gonna settle this now. They're gonna keep posturing. They're gonna see which side gives a little bit more than the other. But there's way too much money to lose if both sides stay out for a long time. Especially after the COVID year, the last year, they get the year before they get they they'll come to an agreement, and both sides will claim they either won, and both sides will you know claim that they get taken advantage of a little bit. It just it just makes sense when all that kind of money is at stake that uh, you know that they're going to come through with something. That's for sure. I don't know exactly when, but the season I think will start. Well, I, I'm interested to see all that come about because uh, it's. You know, with all the money that there is going out and such like that, what type of what type of uh, like are they going to say? Hey, listen, you can only the, the highest you can go is a seven year contract. Are you going to put a salary cap on these teams so that the small market teams can compete? The biggest, uh, the, biggest the biggest thing I saw, Pags, from reading about it was the floor cap. That was the biggest thing that they're going to have a big problem with. Um, the players want the floor cap to be moved up. In other words, the teams that are getting money and not spending it on players, just kind of keeping it for a few years and then buying the team, they want it to be more competitive every year. And, of course, that will help them out too. Is the, the lower guys get more money, they'll get more money. So that's going to be the big sticking point. I can see why they that owners would want that because, you know, the Royals don't have to spend all their money they get every year on a player right now. And this is what they want to try to resolve. And that's going to be the biggest sticking point. But I think it's a little more than that. Some owners well, have different attitudes. Some of them, it's strictly a business for some of them really do want to win their fans. Like Steve Cohn, the Met owner, he really wants to win. It's very important to him. He's a fan. He's always been a Met fan. But you have some owners who it's, they couldn't care that much. You know, it's their bottom line. Hey, well, being in Philadelphia, being in Philadelphia, I mean, our ownership always says they want to win, but have always looked at the dollar and the bottom line as to say, as the decision maker on whether they've won or not. Well, and uh, that's, like I said, the fact that they've done that is really frustrating. They signed guys. They signed like, Zach Wheeler. Like, 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 like I said, like I said, you know, Jack Jack brings up something that's really doesn't really really affect whether they sign or not. It's going to be their floor cap. Owners are tired of giving other owners money when they're not using it for baseball. They're using they're just right. putting it in their pocket, and that's that's the biggest 
uh, problem that the players have and some of the owners have. So that's the issue before anything else gets settled as far as a salary cap on top. That's the biggest issue that has to be resolved. Once that's resolved, uh, they'll get moving along again. Well, I, I'm interested to see. Uh, I'm also the other the other thing I wanted to mention real quick. And I know we only got a quick, quick second, so I don't know if you'll be able to really address this. Uh, the ESPN Plus and the NHL uh, last night's game wasn't televised anywhere, you know, except like on NHL Network where you got to have little snippets. So it was interesting. Which game? Which game? The the Flyers Penguins oh. game. You know, and that's a that's a that's a, a rivalry that really stems out. In, in the NHL, there's not many real strong rivalries, and the Flyers and Penguins is one of those big rivalries. To not have that televised at all, to not be able to watch that game at all, is ridiculous to me. And that's because of the contract with the ESPN Plus. And I'm wondering how far that's really going to go because they got 75 games that they're going to show on ESPN Plus. The Flyers only have four of those games. And when you only have four games out of 75, I mean, the Flyers faithful, and now you're not going to be able to watch those games anywhere else. It's, I think the NHL, I think it's time for Bettman to go. I mean, I'm not a big fan of that commissioner. Out of all the commissioners in all the leagues, I think the one in baseball and the one in hockey both really stink out loud. And they got to, you know, it's time for them to make big changes. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 we've talk, I've talked at length about big networks, um, you know, about how they can dictate what you see and what you think and who says what and why things are the way they are. It's the way it is, Pags. I mean, I don't know what you can do about it. When somebody buys the rights to something, they pretty much own it. And you saw with Ken Rosenthal that even if you, you, even if you say something out of the way about uh, the, the, the big the big sports, MLB, NFL, whatever it is, NHL, if you're going to criticize them, you may lose your job. So, you know, it's a shame that, that the big, the big networks are basically becoming the big pup, the big, becoming puppets of big sports. And it's just something that, that is the way it is today. It's not like it used to be where you could turn on your local TV station and, and watch games like you used to be able to. It's no longer capitalist. It's almost becoming communist. Yes, yes. And that's, that sounds. Listen, the government gave them the government gave them the uh, break with the antitrust laws, and when they did that, uh, this is where we are at right now. So it's a, it's kind of a shame, but it is the way it is now. Pags, have a great uh, Friday. We'll see you Sunday. And um, hey, go Eagles, right? Yeah, I, I'll have to make sure I wake up on time and everything because it's going to be a late night for me and it's going to be a cold night for me. And hopefully uh, we win. It doesn't even matter because we're already in. So there you go. Well, I'll know where I'm going the following week. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Have a great Friday, Pags. All right. Have a great one, guys. Thank you. All right, buddy. So, folks, there you go. The Philly sports guy. I've got to get out of here a little early because i got to clean my car off. So we're going to end the show here. Have a great Friday. Uh, we'll see you Saturday at the debate show. We'll see you Sunday on the big football show. Remember, we're on YouTube. We're also on Roku now, folks. If you get a chance, go over there and download the app, and you'll see all the Northeast streaming sports videos and shows live. Have a great day, and have a great weekend, folks. Hope to see you tomorrow.